We're trying to use less, less materials, less energy, less time, less people. You know, there's all types of things that we can do with that. And from a promo distributor perspective, if you're saying, okay, well, how does that affect me? I would be asking your decorator these questions. What are you doing for a continuous improvement project? Or are you interested in sustainability? And a lot of people say, yeah, we recycle our soda cans. <laughs> I mean, it is sustainability, right? Thank you for recycling your soda cans, but that's not what we're talking about here. Hi, everyone. It's Johanna Gottlieb with Axis Promotions and Chair of Promo Kitchen. And I probably start every podcast saying I'm really excited, but today I mean it. I'm really, really excited because it's our first podcast collab with Promo Cares. So as you all know, we are doing a collaboration with Promo Cares and sharing podcasts together. So once a quarter, you'll be hearing from both of us, Promo Cares and Promo Kitchen together on a joint podcast. And these will be on different industry topics. We're really excited to launch this first one surrounding sustainability in decoration and apparel. Today, I have two guests with me. We have Marshall Atkinson, who is the owner of Atkinson Consulting and co-founder of Shirt Lab. We also have Denise with Fairwear, and she's the co-founder of Fairwear, a distributor that surrounds their morals and beliefs on sustainability in the industry, and they're doing a really good job on that. And we're going to jump right in today and get started, but first I want to say thank you both for joining me. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Joe. So happy to be here. Awesome. Marsha, let's start with you. Can you give me a little bit of an intro on your background on Shirt Lab and Atkinson Consultant? Yeah, sure. So I've been in the decorated apparel game since 1993, which just seems like forever, doesn't it? <laughs> um, so I've been mostly working for contract apparel decorators. So for a promo distributor, these are the folks that embroider or screen print or digitally print your apparel. So I started off as an art director and then I worked my way into doing operations. And then I became a chief operating officer for a really big apparel decorator in Wisconsin. And so through that process in running shops and doing the operation, I found sustainability as my hook to make things operate better with more efficiency at a lower cost. And that's kind of where I hung my hat. And I've invested a lot of time and effort in doing that. I also got so involved in sustainability. At one point, I was on the board of directors for the Sustainable Green Printing Partnership, which is usually known as SGP. And that's a third-party audit certification program. So I have actually championed two apparel decorating shops to get certified. And so I've done it from both the perspective of running the shop and also as being a board director on a sustainable initiative to really kind of see both sides of the coin, so to speak. And so I'm very excited about this topic, even though right now I'm a consultant and I don't run the shop anymore. I'm still very passionate about this topic and I can't wait to get into some of these questions. Awesome. I know you're passionate because, you know, you have this reputation in the industry of being this expert around this area. So I love that you're on this right now. Thank you. Denise, before we dig into some questions, can you give us a brief intro on yourself and your role at Fairware and also Promo Cares? 
Sure thing. I co-founded Fairware about 15, 16 years ago now with my business partner, Sarah White. And we started from day one as what I would call a mission-based brand. We were always focused on our impact, whether it was social impact, environmental impact. And we went after that market. So we work across North America with sustainable brands, folks like Patagonia and Ben and & Jerry's, and buyers that ask us hard questions about our supply chain and the materials that we bring to them and the products we bring to them. So that's kind of the fairware side. And about a year ago, actually in January at PPAI, I joined a great group of folks, a volunteer-run organization called Promo Cares. And our mission is really just to kind of inspire folks, educate folks, and give people some strategies and tactics to bring social and environmental responsibility into the industry, into their operations, whether it's supplier, distributor, decorator, whatever it might be, and just shine a light on all the good and bring experts into the room to hear from and to learn from. And that kind of brings us to today with Marshall. And I'm as excited as you are to hear some of what he has to say, because I think we can all learn a lot today. I'm going to dive into the first question for Marshall. Back in January at PPAI, when we were all still excited about this year, 2020, and didn't quite know it was coming yet, one of the upsides was that our team down there saw a lot of new sustainable apparel coming out. A lot of garments with RPED in it, better cotton initiative cotton, organic cotton, and we were really excited. We came back in January really excited about the assortment that we're going to be able to bring to market. And, you know, one thing that really struck me when I was chatting with Marshall a couple of weeks ago was how so often on the client side and even within our own organization, we think about the garments. And if we really think hard, we might think about the inks. And often in our conversations with clients and our conversations with suppliers and decorators, it comes down to, are you using a plastisol ink or are you using a water-based ink? And that's about as complex as it gets. And I think there's a lot more to that. And that's what we're going to dig into today. And I think to start, Marshall, I'd love to just hear your perspective on, you know, what are people missing when they're only thinking about the garment or they're only asking about the inks? Well, I'm going to give you a metaphor, (laughs) okay? So let's not talk about garments and let's not talk about ink. Let's talk about making a chocolate cake, (laughs) right? So if we only focus on what eggs we're using, does that make that cake better or worse? So shouldn't we focus on all the ingredients in that cake? Or why are we only focusing on one thing? And sustainability isn't what ink you're using or what is that shirt made of. It's the entire process. It's also the birth of the shirt, and it's also the death of that shirt. Mm -hmm. What happens after it's printed? So if you print a 1,000 shirts for an event and you only use 400 of them, what are you doing with the other 600? And if that happens and you're using a sustainable shirt, did it really matter that you chose a sustainable garment? So what I want to really kind of throw that out there is what is the reason why we're focused on sustainability and what should we be doing and why are we only focused on one ingredient? when we should be really looking at the entire process in its entirety and then asking harder questions about what we're doing and looking at the people that are actually decorating our shirts and asking those questions to them to find out what do they do? What is their policy? How do they handle things? And we can get into that a lot. And I can certainly dig way deep into that 
plastisol water-based ink discussion because to me, it's kind of a wash if you want to really think about it, right? If you just want to tackle that right now, because plastisol ink, what is the big problem with plastisol ink? Why does everybody hate it so much? You know, it's really because it's made from PVC, polyvinyl chloride, right? It's PVC. Well, what is PVC? Well, that's your plumbing in your house. So if you're big against plastisol ink, what type of pipes do you have in your building? PVC also is found in IV bags. So when you go to the doctor or the hospital or whatever, that's got your medicine in it. Is that a big problem for you? So if we think about what are we really talking about here, I want you to stop focusing so much on the ink because let me tell you, a lot of people think water-based ink is greener. Why? Because it's got water in the name. It must be better if it's got water in their name, right? Well, water is the main solvent for water-based ink, but you know what else it has in it? It also has polypropylene glycol, which is also antifreeze. It's got diethylene glycol, which is poisonous if you swallow it. You know, discharge ink is also water-based. Sometimes discharge ink has formaldehyde in it. So if we're talking about what ink system is better, water-based ink uses more energy because it has to be in the dryer tunnel longer. So it uses a different emulsion. It has a different process to it. It dries in the screen. There's more waste ink, usually. It takes more care to learn how to use it. So plastisol ink is very stable. It's made from a stable plastic, PVC. When you finish a job, you can take the ink out of the screen and scoop it back into the bucket and you can use it again. It has very little waste. It takes less time to go through the dryer to dry. So if plastisol ink and water-based ink are judged on their merits of waste and energy consumption, I would argue that Plastisol Link is probably a better platform if you want to talk about sustainability because it's using less waste and less ink. So what is the reason why everybody wants to use water-based ink? It usually comes down to because we want to get away from using PVCs. I'm going to just interject here and, and Joanna, I'm going to just keep on this topic for a minute before we move to the next one. You know, I think a lot of folks it's the phthalates in plastisol that they're trying to avoid. And I think one of the things that's happened in the last 10 years is most major ink makers have eliminated a lot of the phthalates in plastisol, but the industry isn't talking about it. So everybody still thinks it's full of things they don't want in there. And I think the conversation has evolved a lot in the last decade at the ink level, but it's not necessarily evolved with the average buyer or the distributor or the average customer who's asking for what's better. And I think you're right, it gets simplified and people aren't necessarily armed with the right information. And I think the key takeaway is looking at the big process and even something as simple as the fact that you can reuse plastisols over and over and over again, that paired with many inks being phthalate free, I think does put it back kind of in a space of being a responsible option. I think it's had a bad rap for a long time. So it's an interesting way to look at it. Joanna, do you want to dig into some of the operational stuff? Yeah. First of all, we're 12 minutes in and I've been doing this 15 years and learned more in the last 12 minutes about some of these things that I thought I would. So I'm really impressed by the knowledge you just dropped. Marshall, thank you. Sure. You're right. I think, first of all, around sustainability in general with clients coming to us, 10, 11, 12 years ago, eco was really in. It was really hot. It was a big buzzword. 
And then clients start to see that sometimes eco is a little bit more expensive and it stopped becoming so important. In the last two years, sustainability is a big buzzword. And I'm not sure a lot of clients know what that means, especially with print. We can be, you know, easy and say it's made out of bamboo, it's made out of that. Even with a t-shirt, we can say it's made out of that. But when it comes to the print process, I'm not entirely sure our clients are one, aware or educated. You know, we can as distributors do a better job of educating them. But also our suppliers and vendors need to reach out to us and give us some education on this. It's, it's really good information for us to bring back to our clients if we want to stand out on this. Everything you've described really just sounds like the holistic approach. It's not one part of the print process that matters. It's the whole part. It's the holistic part. It's everything. So I'm really interested to see where we keep going in this conversation. Well, I think, you know, if we're looking at a project, one thing that we might look at is what are we actually doing here? So let's just say we're doing an online company store for a promo client. You guys do a lot of that. So you'll put a bunch of different merchandise up there and they're going to order stuff. Are you pre-making stuff and then having fulfillment house ship it? Or are we only decorating the goods after an order is placed, which is more sustainable? So if we're doing that, what's the best way to decorate the shirt? Is it with embroidery? Is it with digital? Is it with a heat transfer? And so when we think about what we're doing, I would venture to say I would want to challenge everyone to look at the process and what is the final outcome. So you were mentioning, Johanna, about your clients not wanting to pay the extra money. So I would turn that on its head a little bit and let's talk about being able to tell a better story. Sure. That's what this is all about. It's about being able to tell a different story. If we're just selling commodity stuff, if we're just trying to get to the lowest point price, then that doesn't make a whole lot of sense for what we're doing because right now we don't have good supply chain set up. So the responsible, sustainable stuff is less expensive than the crappy, dirty stuff, if you want to call it that. And then because it's nobody's buying it as much. So it's one of these things that we can get more people to do it. What happens is the cost is going to drop because the supply chain will figure that out. We have to get more people interested in it. We have to get more people really hooked on the story of buying better and doing better, especially for the environment. It's a better story. So if you look at your clients, an easy way to tell about what they're interested in is just go to their website. Do they have a triple bottom line section on their webpage? Part of that is about social responsibility and sustainability. Are they really interested in that? So it's on there. Is that part of their annual report that they're sharing with their shareholders? Chances are, if it is, it's a pretty easy sale for them to upgrade to a better shirt and a better process. Marshall, you know, you make a good point. It's linking it back to the values of the companies that you're working with. It's also brand risk and reputational risk. You know, it's like you don't want a brand to end up on 60 Minutes because they're in a sweatshop t-shirt, you know, so tying together those issues. But I want to go back to this idea of just-in-time printing, printing lasts, printing on demand, because I think that's a really interesting opportunity through a sustainability lens. 
And I want to put out there that I think it's going to run up to some critical barriers in our industry because I think many of the distributors in our industry still run full commission shops with their sales reps. Their sales reps are incented to sell a thousand shirts, even though they know the client might only need 700. It's like, oh, we got to hit that thousand. We're going to give you a better price. And they're driving those sales and they're driving unit numbers because they're going to hit their numbers instead of going to a client and saying, hey, why don't we run 70 at a time every like five weeks? And so if you only need 562, we print you 565 instead of a thousand, right? Like that goes counter to our compensation structure. So I think what's kind of interesting here is you can see some of these roads to more sustainable operations or processes from a print perspective, but I think they're going to run up into some barriers when it comes to how our sales teams are structured, how we're rewarded, because we're rewarded to push stuff through whether our clients need it or not. So curious about either of your thoughts on that. That's a fantastic point. So as a salesperson, Johanna, are you a consultative salesperson where you're interested in the betterment and you know looking out for your client's best interests, which would be to not sell a thousand shirts if you only need 570? I mean, I like to think so. Yeah. It does make me sort of sit back and think about requests and how they come in and how my approach is in selling. You guys both had a point about company stores and programs. We do have a mix of made to order and then inventory programs. So you're right. There are clients with different needs. More often these days than not, we are pushing clients for the MTO model made to order because frankly, the need for them to sit on that stock and inventory is just not there. And for the overhead fees and all that good stuff. So Mm -hmm. I guess in some ways there, we're doing that right. On that point, because that's a great way to position it too, right? Is you don't need to sit on inventory that has the possibility of going stale. And there's a cash flow issue. You know, it's that finance win plus sustainability win. And to that end, Marshall, I'd be super curious just to hear some of where you see the big opportunities in the print shops that you're working with around efficiencies that are saving the money and saving, you know, whether it's wastewater treatments or energy. Like, where are you seeing those win-wins? And I think it might be illuminating to some folks to see how you can do good and do well financially at the same time with the same decisions. Well, you know, sustainability is built on the three R's. And I like to do it in my pirate voice, you know, three R's, (laughs) (laughs) which is reduce, reuse, and recycle, right? So it's really about eliminating things. And this is from a facility standpoint. So how can we use less energy? It's about the process standpoint. How can we be more efficient? And it's also about reusing things. And so that could be our whole process where you're reusing our cardboard boxes or, you know, sometimes like, for example, Gildan always comes in a big bag in the box. We can use those for trash can liners, that type of stuff, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what can we do in the shop for a continuous improvement program to reduce our costs and elevate our performance. And if we do things right the first time, that's more sustainable. If we can shove more things through the pipe for the same amount of cost, that's more efficiency and that leads to a lower cost, right? So it's really about understanding how can we adopt with new technology? How can we do things once instead of twice? And what I mean by that is 
you don't make any errors, right? So a lot of times, you know, people make mistakes. We goof stuff up and then we got to redo the order, right? That isn't sustainable. So it doesn't really matter what shirt you're using or what ink you're using or whatever, because we had to print the thing over. If you're looking at it from a shop perspective of the people who are actually doing the embroidery or doing the printing or doing the heat transferring or dye sublimation or whatever your process is, look at it from how can I eliminate waste? How can I eliminate steps? How can I eliminate a whole process if I can to make things better? And sometimes you need to look into using a new technology platform or eliminating paper work orders or, you know, using motion sensors with your lighting. I mean, there's, there's a million things that we can do. And we don't have enough time on the show to talk about them all. <laughs> but what we need to be thinking about is how can we do more with less? That's really the whole essence of sustainability. And so when we're looking at that from a decorator perspective, that's where I would start. And I would start with energy as the main driver of that, because if we can lower our utility costs, because these buildings are very big usually. They're very expensive to run. And if we could do things with less energy, then it's cheaper for us to do things. And so a lot of the work I've done initially when setting up shops for a sustainability program is really just start measuring things. That's the key to a lot of this stuff. You've probably heard this before. You can't manage what you don't measure. So we need a dashboard. We need a spreadsheet. We need to know what did we do this year and last year and the year before and that kind of stuff. And if we start building that, we can graph it and then we can start making decisions and the squiggle line goes down, we're using less. Hooray. This is how we get things done is by really focusing on the end result. What are we trying to achieve? We're trying to use less, less materials, less energy, less time, less people. You know, there's all types of things that we can do with that. And from a promo distributor perspective, if you're saying, okay, well, how does that affect me? I would be asking your decorator these questions. What are you doing for a continuous improvement project? Or are you interested in sustainability? And a lot of people say, yeah, we recycle our soda cans. (laughs) I mean, it is sustainability, right? Thank you for recycling your soda cans. But that's not what we're talking about here. So it's really about how are you running your business better? So we want to look at our processes. We want to look at our energy consumption. We want to look at the ingredients. What are the ingredients of that chocolate cake? What are we using? And I'm going to throw a big fancy word at you. (laughs) So when we're a plastisol decorators, we have to clean our squeegees and flood bars. And usually they use a brake cleaner station that Safety Clean or one of those companies uses. and It has a chemical in it that's really nasty called petroleum naphtha. It's really gross. But that's what a lot of people use to clean their squeegees and flood bars. Well, a product came out on the market, I don't know, 10 years ago or so. It's called bioremediation. So there's these microbes. I don't know who invented them, but they eat oil spills. That's what they do. So when the tanker has an oil spill out in the ocean, They put these microbes in there and it eats the oil that's in the ocean. That's how they clean it up. Well, somebody had their bright idea going, hey, we could probably use that in the automotive industry. So they made this thing. Well, guess what? You can get this stuff that actually eats the plastisol ink. And the byproduct 
is CO2. And so this product is a great way to clean your squeegees and flood bars, and you don't have to have the nasty petroleum naphtha stuff. And if you're a screen printer, you know what I'm talking about, because when you walk past this thing, you can taste it on your tongue just walking by. It's really gross. Bioremediation is these little microbes suspended in fluid, and it eats the ink. It's like the perfect thing. And so that's just one aspect that I'm talking about here. So we can do better as an industry, but as a promo distributor, if you're very interested in sustainability, I would venture to guess you probably have never had conversations with your apparel decorators about how they eliminate waste or how do they reduce their energy or what is their error reduction program, those type of things. All those are sustainable. And just to sum this up, a great thing to look at is the SGP Sustainable Green Printing Partnership, which is sgppartnership.org. And you can find a sustainable printer that has a third-party audit. They walk the walk and they know what they're doing. That's the real benefit here is finding a partner that can actually decorate for you that actually knows all about this stuff. You know, something we did at Fairware a couple of years ago along these lines is we realized that we have a supplier onboarding and a code of conduct process for all of our product suppliers, but not for our decorators. And what we did is we created a 10-question survey getting at some of these questions, but also just some basics like workflow. Like when do you open the boxes that you receive to do your count? How far in advance of going to press do you do that? So if you have a misshipment, we can get you the shirts you need or fix the order before you're ready to go to press with it. And we did that for all of our decorators and we went and visited the ones we could. It was so insightful and it really helped us deepen our relationships. It helped us identify where some of our great decorators were doing well and we were able to kind of help others improve. And from that, we built a list of primary and secondary decorators based on how they answered those questions. And we'd never done it in 16 years. And it was a really, really interesting process. And I think the most important thing is it deepened our partnerships with our decorators in a way that we didn't have those relationships before. It was very transactional. And I think what it taught me is they're so key to our ability to deliver great product to our clients. And we'd not been thinking of them in a very strategic way. Like it was a very transactional relationship. We need, you know, 100 t-shirts printed, send it to so-and-so. Oh, so-and-so's busy, send it to so-and-so. And we never really thought about how critical they are. We never really tracked their competencies and what they're good at. And if you haven't done that as a distributor, I'd encourage you to do so because it's a very illuminating exercise. And I think it's benefited our business greatly in terms of building loyalty with some key partners and learning a lot more about what their pain points are and what we can do to improve them. Simple thing. The one thing our primary silk screener said is, I don't understand who your teams are. Like, I don't understand if like Andrew's in production and Nicole's in sales. I have no clue. Can you send me an org chart? Tell me who your teams are and what their roles are so we understand who we're talking to when we get orders in. We would have never picked up on that had we not taken the time to just have a conversation and dig a little deeper with that partner. Holy crap. I needed you as a client. Where have you been? (laughs) So it's more than just shoving a PO into the pile. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) That's where we're trying to get to. You know, even just having common language, like when you say soft hand plastisol, what does that mean? Does that mean something to that decorator versus the other decorator? And we had conversations around using common vernacular for the kinds of prints or outcomes that we wanted. And 
realized that we were using language that they were like, we think it means this, but you know, we were using different language than what they used in the shop. So it was pretty insightful. I love it. Yeah. As a distributor and for distributors listening, Marshall, what kind of questions should we be asking our decorators as we're onboarding? Well, first off, it's all about the relationship. So as a promo distributor, you're going to essentially hand them the football. They're going to take the football and run for the touchdown. So they need everything in that order. They need the art. They need the shirts. They need the information, the shipping address, all the information, whatever you're doing. If it's a spreadsheet with a bunch of drop ships, they need all that information all at once. And so they can just do their thing effectively. And I can tell you from doing this forever, we have to constantly ask, hey, what color shirts are we printing? Or you say it's supposed to be a five color, but this is a CMYK file, (laughs) right? What spot colors, Pantone colors are we supposed to be using? So a lot of times I think that we get really lost just with the information step. And then as for a promo distributor, what questions should be asking your printer or your decorator? I think it all comes down to how we deal with stuff. And I really love Denise's talk on making sure that the language is the same because one word might mean something different to someone else, like imprint size. You know, what's not sustainable is having to print something over because it was too small or too large or your artwork was 14 inches square and you asked me to put it on a hoodie front. That isn't going to happen. So, you know, what are we talking about here? And then also really kind of understanding the processes. And I think a lot of promo folks sell things and they don't understand how it's going to be decorated. And I'll give you an example. So let's talk about dry fit performance shirts. And you've got a red, 100% poly, and you want a white imprint, but you only want to pay for one screen. Good luck. (laughs) Okay. What you're going to get is a red shirt with a pink imprint. (laughs) Okay. Because you're going to have some dye migration to that because you don't understand that I need a performance gray under base and I'm going to performance white on top of that. So the white looks crisp and clean on that red shirt. That is sustainability when we do it once and we use the right methods, the right decoration methods. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten a PO from some promo distributor and they've underpriced it and they miscounted the colors or they didn't do something right. And we can't talk to the customer again because they've already accepted the price. You're just going to have to eat it, Mr. Decorator. That doesn't work. That's not a good partnership. We need to be on the same page with things and really kind of understand. And if you're selling something and you don't understand the process, the thing to do is probably ask your decorator, hey, what's the best way to put this logo on this shirt? What are some ways we can achieve that? What do we need to do? How should I price it? And not just don't go off a grid, especially if you're ordering something you've never ordered before. You know, sustainability is all about doing things once. And so it's all about doing things with the best way that we can do it, with the best materials, and just really kind of understanding that there's a technical way that we need to do things. And 
the decorator usually knows way more than you because you're a salesperson and you're not only selling shirts, but you're selling phone cases and lunch boxes and magnets and pins and all kinds of other things. They're just consumed with decorating the apparel. They know everything about that. I would rely on them as a source of information about what we should do. And then you can quote it to your client. And that way we're all on the same page about everything. What do you think about that, Denise? Having partnerships. Someone has actually said to me about our company that we've you know, chosen the path of most resistance as entrepreneurs. And it's because we vet all of our suppliers and we tell our sales force that they're not allowed to pitch product unless it's vetted from a vetted supplier. And you know, that keeps our roster of suppliers really tight and we can trust them. And it also builds loyalty. And I think it just comes down to that. I think the days of sort of showing up and saying, I have a million suppliers to choose from and a billion products to sell are numbered because you just can't have those quality relationships that end in quality product if you don't spend some time on the relationship. And I just, Joanna, I have one quick hack that we do sometimes when we're talking to decorators and we work all over North America. So we have like a hub in Chicago and New York and LA and San Francisco. We're always bringing on new decorators. And, you know, I have these little hacks to see whether they're interested in this or have some knowledge in this around, you know, if they understand what a phthalate is, then usually the conversation keeps going. But one of the things is sometimes we'll ask for information from screen printers and they're busy and they don't get it to us. And one of the things I've learned is asking who their ink supplier is. And if they'll tell you who their ink supplier is, then you just go to that ink supplier's website and you can see all sorts of things around the investment they've made in terms of manufacturing the actual inks vis-a-vis sustainability. So I just did something recently in Seattle and they're like, we use Union Inks and I'm able to go to that site and actually put links into their supplier profile. And, you know, we use common SKU and then our staff can see if they want to share it with the clients, they can put the safety data sheets up, whatever they want. So that's a little bit of a hack too, around like understanding even who's making the inks as opposed to who's using the inks in the print shop. We'll just bring a little bit more insight into what you're putting on your shirt. I'm definitely going to take notes on that. Thank you. Marshall and Denise, what do you guys think about, you know, when we are talking to our printers and our decorators? What if they want resources? Where can they go to learn more and do better? Well, Denise already said it. We need to talk to our supply chain. They have all the answers. For one, as a decorator, you should have all the safety data sheets anyway, because you're going to get an OSHA audit probably this year or next. OSHA loves printers because we use chemicals. And we don't all the time do the right things. And so they love just to show up one day as an audit. So I know tons of companies that have been audited by OSHA and they walk in and go, hey, show me your safety data sheet book. How do you do it? And they're like, what are you talking about? Then now they got to pay a big fine, right? So you can get all this stuff from your suppliers, from their supplier websites, but it's up to you to organize it and maintain it and train your staff and what it means. But There's lots of other resources. So there is Printing United Alliance, which is the industry. It used to be SGIA, which is kind of the lobby association. And then there's folks like me or, you know, Lon Winters or Charlie Tobleib or some other independent consultants. We do a lot of this stuff for our clients, help them understand this from many different perspectives, help coordinate training and leadership development and all that kind of stuff. So. You know, it's just a matter of being open, which is the hard part, that you don't know everything 
and asking questions to people who probably have the answers or they have the connections to get you the answers. That's probably the hardest part is just saying, hey, I'm not really sure. Let me ask a question. Yeah, I think you nailed it, Marshall. I think there's a lot of emerging education coming out of ASI and PPAI. I think our customers are starting to ask for it. So we're starting to ask for it. And I think the biggest thing is just an openness and a transparency to having the conversations and trying to find solutions and information to share with your clients when they do ask. Just having an openness to it and wanting to be part of driving the conversation forward in terms of reducing our impact on the environment in this industry. Awesome. So as we wrap this up, is there anything either one of you want to share that we may have missed today? Yeah, sure. So when we're talking about sustainability, I think it really comes down to processes. It comes down to how you do stuff. And so there's a phrase that I like to use, which is how you do anything is how you do everything. So are you a company that's buttoned up and you're like on the varsity, you're an A-team, you're a professional? Or are you a company that kind of takes shortcuts and kind of does things half-assed a little bit? So if you just look at what you're doing, if you take a step back and really examine how you handle yourself, how you handle your processes, you know, what do you do? How do you print? What's your craftsmanship level? How you push things through? Are you always on time? Can you do things once? Are you measuring? Do you know your numbers? Those are the shops that I think are really buttoned up and are sustainable, even if they haven't gotten the certification, because they're interested in doing things the right way. Professionals use professional tools. They do the right things, right? So if we're really just taking a step back and looking at our shop culture, looking at our company culture, what are we seeing? And be open to, hey, maybe we're not doing things the right way. We need to make a change, which takes the adult in the room to do that. It's admitting that we don't know everything, but we can improve it. And with that comes lower cost, more efficiency. You're doing things better. You're probably going to get a higher caliber client out of it because 18 players want to work with 18 players. They don't have time for the JV. Yeah. <laughs> I agree that you've made a lot of good points. And like I said, during this podcast, I've taken some notes of better questions I can be asking. Denise, is there anything you want to add before we wrap this up? You know, at a time when folks are looking to differentiate and add value to their clients, this is an area where, you know, if you show up at a bid and you can talk about the t-shirt, you can talk about the inks and how it adds to their values around corporate responsibility, you're going to stand out in a pretty crowded field in this industry. So it's learning this stuff, teaching your sales teams, making sure that you have the systems to communicate this kind of information through to your clients, I think is a pretty key next step for folks who want to dive into this. Got it. Now, guys, if anybody has questions, where can they find you? I'll start with you, Marshall. Yeah, sure. So my website is atkinsontshirt.com. I've got numerous eBooks on there. I also have an online course you can take on eliminating downtime. But I write a blog every single week that comes out on Saturdays. You can see that there. It's about all things decorating apparel, tons of stuff in there. You can email me at marshall at marshallatkinson.com. My website is atkinsontshirt.com. And happy to help anybody with anything about sustainability. I'm pretty involved in it and would love to have that conversation. Great. 
And you can find me at Denise at fairware.com. You can check out our website at Fairware. We have a resources section with a lot of good resources. And then at promocares.org, when you go to the landing page, it has two big red buttons. One says I'm a distributor, one says I'm a supplier. And if you click on those, there's actually a, kind of a laundry list in all the areas that we look at of some ways to get started and some resources. So that's a good spot as well. Well, thank you guys both. And if anybody wants to find me, you can find me, Johanna Gottlieb at LinkedIn is best. And I appreciate your time and we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.